You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Good morning. How are y'all? <laughs> Fantastic. Somebody's, somebody's glad I'm here. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, I am not Chris. I am the, uh, the taller, um, I'm just the taller version. That's all I'm going to say. Um, he has, I have a little more hair than he does as well, but so, so glad to, uh, to be here this morning. Continuing on in the series reboot, uh, Chris has been going through this for about a month and a half, two months now, going through Matthew chapter 6, talking about prayer. And I'm going to continue that this morning. While I was um, praying through what I, would, what I was going to preach on, I was kind of going through Matthew chapter 6, thinking about what it really, what the disciples were thinking when Jesus was talking to them, or Jesus says, hey, this is how you should pray, and they kind of went through what we know as the Lord's Prayer, and what it meant to them, what it means to us today, uh, and then kind of putting that in some, um, some, some applicable terms for, for us as far as prayer goes. Because sometimes we, we hear, we've heard all of our lives, if you, you've been brought up in church, need to pray, need to pray, need to pray. And then we, we familiar with this passage in Matthew 6. And, and, and so the, the concept of prayer is not foreign to us, but I don't know how popular it is. I don't know how popular prayer is in our lives or, or how active it is in our lives. I think we can, we can gather around the table, we can hold hands and say, dear God, thank you for this food and pray. We can be on the road and something scary happens and we pray, God, thank you for allowing us to be safe. And in those quick intermittent prayers, which are, which are fantastic, which are fine, but I don't know how, how active our prayer life is or if it matches, I think, what God's desire in our lives is. And so this morning, what I want to what I want to focus on is how God answers prayer. Because uh, some of us, we we say we we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray, and then we think to ourselves, "Man, I've been praying my entire life, and there are so many things that I prayed for that I just don't feel like ever made it past the roof um, that that God ever heard, or I'm just I don't have the answer that I was looking for, or." It's, I've prayed for this for 20 years, and it still hasn't come to fruition. And so what we're going to look at this morning is several passages dealing with prayer, what it needs to look like in our lives, responses that we need to be expecting when it comes to the prayers that we have. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 139, and we're going to be looking at the first four verses. And then again, we'll be jumping around a bunch Psalms 139, verse 4, 1 through 4, it says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. And so before we get into 
the basic concept of praying and how God answers prayers, first of all, I want to establish some, some ground rules. The very first thing I want to establish is that God hears your prayers. I don't want you to, I don't want you to go out of this room thinking anything else. God hears your prayers. He hears, scripture says right here that he, he knows what's coming off your tongue before you even say it. Okay. Those of you, you guys that are married, I know your wife's able to do that as well, but I'm just telling you that God, for you, for you ladies and the guys, we, we, we can't do that. We don't have that superpower. Uh, God knows what you're going to say. God knows what's going to come off your, off your tongue. And so when we pray, I want you to have the confidence that it does make it past the ceiling, that it does make it into the heavenlies, and that God hears exactly what's coming out of your mouth. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us approach God's throne with grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Powerful passage, uh, in, in my opinion, with, with God saying, the writer of Hebrews saying, Listen, not only can you pray, not only can you go to God, it says that you can come boldly. And so what that means is that God has a, a, an open door policy, and that door is a gigantic door, and it's wide open, and he invites you to, to communicate with him. He invites you to, to, to bring all your cares and concerns to him, not just the, the big heavy stuff he wants the, the, hey God, thank you for, for this red light because I don't know if I'd have made it through that red light, what was on the other side that you kept me out of danger or those, those little postponements that we have in life that sometimes can frustrate us that we need to be thanking God saying, God, I don't know why I got postponed. I don't know why I got delayed, but I'm thanking you that you, that you did that. And so, but we need to come to God boldly with those things that are heavy on our hearts. God, I don't understand. Why this happened. God, I don't understand how this happened. I don't understand why you took this person or allowed this person to be taken from me. And so those are the things that God wants you to bring to him. He wants you to know that he has an open door policy and you can bring anything to him. So we establish the fact that God hears our prayers. We're going to be looking at the way that God answers prayers. And so before, before, just before we get there, um, our daughter and our son-in-law have a a new member of their family. Uh, she's a year old puppy named Sky. Okay. And she, it, I wish I had a picture, uh, to be able to show you. She has the cutest underbite. Uh, her little bottom teeth stick straight out and it looks like she's smiling at you all the time. She's just adorable. But she has this issue. And this issue is that I don't understand, I don't think she understands the human language. Okay, and so because you can't understand the human language, um, our daughter and son-in-law have purchased a device to put around her neck that helps her hear and and translates into um, a language that she can understand. And so when they open the the back door and let her out to go potty and she takes off like a bolt of lightning, um, around the house and up the driveway, they have this special device that you can click a little button, and apparently it sings a really nice song uh, to her to tell her to turn around and come back to the back door. It, like massages her neck to, to to remind her to be able to do that, and, and so she'll slow down. She'll stop occasionally, and then sometimes 
this, she doesn't like that song, apparently. And so she'll keep running further. And so they turn up the volume to the song, um, and like to two or three. And it just, it almost kind of like, it's, it's a, it's electric. Okay. Um, I think. And so, uh, she'll stop. Um, the other morning, um, she didn't like the song. She didn't like the first level of the electricity. Um, and if you're part of PETA, please do not say anything. Uh, or if you're on video home, sorry. Um, she reached maximum level. Okay, I believe it was maximum level. And apparently our son-in-law uh, clicked it. And our daughter who was in the house heard Sky saying, okay, I'm turning around. I'm coming back to the house now. Okay. And so... God, I thank God, God doesn't do that to us, that we don't have these these special callers for him to say, hey, I'm, I'm answering your prayer, and this is how I'm answering your prayer, okay? He doesn't say, he doesn't shock us, he doesn't remind, but he sends these gentle reminders that he wants to communicate with us. A lot of times, and I say a lot of times because I think we can all relate to this pretty quickly, is when we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, we hear this little birdie in our ear. We hear this little alarm. We hear this little radar saying, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't, whatever it is, we, we, we pick up on that. And so I believe that's God speaking to us. Scripture says that he will give us a way out of every temptation. And so I believe that's God speaking to us. But he also wants to speak to us when we come to him in prayer. I think one of the main problems that we have as far as not being able to hear God is that we don't slow down long enough. We're not quiet long enough to hear God even when he does respond to us. I work in an environment. I'm a chaplain at the federal prison in Bryan. And one of the things that that I I hear all the time from the, the, the lady inmates there is that is they pray for things um, that they seemingly don't hear answers for, or prior to their incarceration, they were going at such a blistering rate, doing things they shouldn't have been doing, but now once life has slowed down, they're able to look back into their life and say, you know what, God was speaking to me there loud and clear. He was trying to get my attention there loud and clear, and I just was not in a spot where I could be able to hear that. I believe that we can do the exact same thing. We're doing good things. I heard somebody say a long time ago, if, God, if, the, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so one of the things that we do is we just get so caught up in life that we miss out on so many things that God is trying to tell us just because we're, we're doing things. And so this morning I want to share with you the way, three things, that uh, ways that I believe that God answers prayer. They're not earth-shattering. They're not, it's not rocket scientists. You're going to, every one of you can probably already guess what the answers are. They're yes and they're no and they're grow or wait or not yet. And so first thing I want you to see is that the way that God answers prayer is that yes, with a caveat, when our desires match God's desires. God resoundingly says yes to those things you pray when the things that you ask for, the things that you come before him, match the desires that he has for your life. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 say this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we 
we know that we have what we ask for of him. And so if we ask God those things that, that he is in agreement with, why wouldn't he say yes? Those are things that he would say yes to very quickly. Just like your child would come to you if, if there was something that, that your child wanted or a friend wanted that you could do um, that would not harm him, not harm you, whatever, you would quickly say, yes, I'll, I'll give you those things. Our Heavenly, our Heavenly Father works in the same way. If there are those things that are beneficial for us, beneficial for his kingdom, then he's going to say yes to those. And so we can we can know that if our life is matching up with what God's word says, and we ask the things that are going to bring glory and honor to him and are going to match up with this, then, then more than likely God is going to say yes unless he has a different plan. And so there's, there's these little catch, catches to, to the way that he answers prayer, but we'll, we'll get to those in, in, in just a moment. Luke chapter 22, verses 40, verse 42 is the, is the account in Scripture where Jesus is in the Garden of the Gethsemane. He knows what is in front of him with the, with the crucifixion, and he's praying, and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus knew what was in front of him. He knew the, the terrible, um, the death that he was about to experience. And he's praying and he says something I believe that every one of us would say. God, I'm not necessarily wanting to go through this. This is not something that, uh, that I want to do. But then he says something that I think that is very important for us to catch. And that is, but if that's what you want then I'm willing to go through that. And so that's a hard prayer for us to pray. God, this is what I want, but more important than what I want, I'll do what you want. And so when we say those type of prayers, God, give me what you want. Give me the desires of your heart. Just know that there may be some difficult times in front of you. There may be some some amazing Blessed times in front of you, but there will be some struggles. There will be some difficult times in front of you because God knows exactly what you need and when you need it. Jesus was praying. He said, if there's another way, please let there be another way. But if not, then I'll do what you want me to do. We need to have that same type of mentality when it comes to our prayer life. God, this is what I want. You know, the desires of my heart, and I hope that they're aligned with yours. But just in case they're not, you do in my life what you want to do. Third, third example I want you to see here is in Psalms chapter 37, verse 4. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so what that tells me is that if my desires match up with what God's desires are, and my, my desires, my wants, my wishes match up with what God's word says, then, then I can be pretty confident that God is going to be okay with the things that I ask for, the things that are that are going to be pleasing to him, things for my family that I pray for, blessings and safety and all those things. Now, listen, I'm not necessarily trying to, to pray for um, the winning lottery ticket. I'm not trying to pray to find the winning lottery ticket because I wouldn't buy the winning lottery Whatever you want to say, all those things. If your if your desires match up with what God's desires are, then He's more than likely going to say yes in your lives. And so He answers yes when our desires matches match match His. Second thing is the the obvious one is sometimes we hear no, and even as little kids, we do not like that little bitty two letter word to hear no. Little boy came to to his mom right before dinner and said, "Can I have a cookie?" And what is every mom on the planet going to say? No, you can't have a cookie. Now, was it bad? Oh, 
Your mom gave you a cookie right before dinner? My wife would give our daughter a cookie. Okay, so that's why. Okay, all right. Well, she's pregnant now, so she may get a cookie. And so, um, but, the, yeah. So, so um, it wasn't bad that the little boy asked his mom for a cookie. It was just bad timing. Now, maybe in the afternoon, if he wanted a cookie, the mom would not have a problem at all giving him a cookie. And so sometimes, I want you to hear that when we pray, sometimes it's just bad timing. That God can't or won't give us what we're praying for just because the timing is not right. But more than likely, one of the the three three ways I think we're going to look at real quick on why God says no is the first one is that we have sin in our lives. And nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear, man, I'm being disobedient. I'm not doing what God's word requires me to do. And so when I pray, God's going to say no just because I'm, I'm living a sinful life. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Again, nobody wants to hear, man, I, you know what, I've been disobedient, and so God's not gonna, he's not gonna give me what I'm, what I'm wanting. If our life is matching up with what God's word says, and look, we all understand that nobody's perfect. I think that's one of the mantras that we live here by Crosspoint is that no perfect people are allowed. That, that's appealing to me because I'm not a perfect person, not a perfect husband, not a perfect father, not a perfect friend. And so, but I strive to be. And that's not what this particular passage is talking about. This passage is talking about a, a lifestyle, it's in a, a, a tenure of being disobedient. And so when we have sin in our lives, if it's blatant, where, where the Holy Spirit has has brought that to your hearts and, hey, you need to correct that, and we still continue to be disobedient, that's when we may hear those definitive no's from the Lord. Second thing is sometimes we just ask with the wrong motives. Our motives are not pure. James 4, 3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your, on your pleasures. And so wrong motives, incorrect motives can, can hinder God's blessings in your life just because he wants you to ask for the, for the right motives. You know what, God, and we try to manipulate sometimes. God, if you let me come into a bunch of money, man, I'll be a blessing to somebody else after I get what I want. All right. So it's one of those things where let's make sure that our motives are pure when we're asking for something. And there are, there are, there are moments when that it feels like we have the right motive. Let's just take for an example that we have a family member that's ill. And we pray for healing. We pray that nothing happen, bad happens to them. Whatever the situation, somebody has um, a disability, somebody has cancer, somebody, whatever the situation is, somebody is on their deathbed, and we pray, God, please don't take them, please don't take them. Our motives seem pure because they're, it's out of love. It is out of the desire to want to spend more time. How can that be wrong? How can that be bad? And so what we have to account for is that God may see things, or not may, he does see things that we can't see this out of heaven. And so we have to trust him in those situations. It may be that God, it's, it's the time because God is working a situation in somebody's life that needs to hear a message that will happen at a funeral or something that will um, change somebody's life forever. I was uh, um, going through seminary. I lived in Angleton, Texas for uh, for a while, and we had a young lady in our church that was killed. She was 16 years old, uh, killed in an automobile accident, 
and uh, on the way to a high school football game at the neighboring town, terrible, terrible accident, um, just just a tragedy. And we had probably a 300-seat auditorium sanctuary at the time. There were over 700 high school students alone at this service. And our pastor at the time said, um, her name um, was Maribel, she says, if she could come back right now, she wouldn't. She wouldn't come back even if she could because she was in perfection. She was in the heavenly. She was with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And through her death and her funeral service, the message, there were over 50 high school students that prayed to receive the Lord just because of that funeral service. And so um, it seemed like a tragedy, and that was a tragedy for, for this family, but God used that to bring glory and honor to himself with these 50, at least 50 high school students that we knew of that prayed to receive the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, For God causes all things to work together for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. And so God can see things that we cannot see. God can take a tragedy and turn it into something that's magnificent for his glory and for his kingdom. And so we hear no because we have sin in our lives. We hear no because we ask for the wrong motives. And number three is sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, it's just not his will for our life. It's just a definitive no, it will not happen, and it will never happen. You will never get this because God knows what is best for us. Luke chapter 22, 42, we just mentioned this with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed. He says, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But if not, then your will be done. The answer was no at that particular moment that the cup could not pass from him. This was something that was necessary. And it is a blessing to us today because of that sacrificial gift that Jesus went to that cross 2,000 years ago so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could spend eternity in heaven. And so those hard no's, those hard things for us to hear, are necessary in our lives, sometimes for an eternity. Sometimes they impact our lives, impact the lives around us for an eternity for somebody. And so I know that it can be difficult. As a little kid, you don't want to hear no. As an adult, you definitely don't want to hear no. But sometimes it's necessary in our lives for God to receive and do in our lives what we need to have done. And number three, um, it's yes, no, and then I say grow or wait or not yet. Uh, God's timing is perfect. God is always on time, and his desire is for him to receive the glory in our lives through our obedience Couple, couple uh, accounts in scripture that I want to share with you this morning just to kind of validate that is the, 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 the account of Lazarus in John chapter 11 verses 11 through 44. We're very familiar with that, with that account where Jesus and his disciples are in a neighboring town. They're doing ministry and Jesus and disciples get word that Lazarus is ill. Jesus and, and disciples are there for a moment. Um, Lazarus dies. Jesus tells the disciples while he's just asleep. And so you can read through that account. But then Jesus and the disciples, they, they get into town and, they, and they're met by Mary and Martha. And we all familiar with the words where they told him, if you would have been here, if you would have been here. And probably at one time or another in our lives, we just said, God, if you would have, 
if you would have, then things would have been different. And so what we don't take into account of is what God is, is, has done in that situation, what he's done in our lives and to the people that are around us in their lives as well. Because thinking about the amazing things that happened for and into the, the hearts of the people that were part of the funeral service for Lazarus. They were, they were part of the, the body preparation. They were part of rolling the stone away, putting him in the tomb. They knew that he had passed away. And then Jesus shows up three days later and says, Lazarus, I want you to come out of that tomb. And all those people that were a part of that now get to see a dead man who they knew without a doubt was a dead man come out of that tomb in those, in those clothes. And they saw and heard and, and, and touched a person who was dead, now walking, breathing. And we don't, the scripture doesn't tell us how long Lazarus was alive, but can you imagine just the people that saw him for years after they knew that he was, that he was dead? And so God can allow some things to happen to, to bring himself glory, to, to do the amazing in someone's life to get their attention. Because if somebody was on the fence about who Jesus was, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out of that tomb, they had zero doubt after that. Okay? Zero doubt after that. Second account I want to share with you is the story of the blind man in John chapter 9. The account is that, that this gentleman wants to be, he's healed. The, the disciples ask Jesus, they start out, they say, hey, Jesus, who, who sinned, this guy or his parents for him to be born blind? And Jesus says in that particular account, he says, neither one of them, neither, nobody's responsible other than God is going to receive glory for what's about to happen in this guy's life. And Jesus goes over, heals this man who can now see the Pharisees kind of come in and, and they say, oh, was, is this a trick? Is this, is this some kind of manipulation? And they, they go interview this man. He tells them what happened. They go interview his parents and they tell him what happened. Say, hey, he's an adult. Go talk to him. And so all of this happens so that God can receive glory because the person who was born blind 20, 30 years after this man's alive, now Jesus goes over, heals him, and now he can see, and it's the buzz of the whole town. You guys have been a part of something where God moves, he does something in your life, and then it becomes just an excitement and a buzz, maybe not just in your heart or your house, but in an entire church or an entire city. That was what was happening when Jesus touched somebody, when Jesus did something miraculous. There was an amazement. There was a buzz that happened. The last thing I want you to see here is the, the story of Joseph in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. And if you've not, and I say chapters 37 through 50, if you've not gone through that account, if you've not read that, I would encourage you to go home this afternoon because it is one of the, it is one of the coolest stories in scripture to me of how God can work his way in a situation that just seems so bleak and so messed up. I mean, you think, I come from a dysfunctional family. I'm the baby of nine, and I had some hellions for parents, and I had hellions for brothers and sisters, and so I have a really messed up family. And so God has taken me out of that family and, and caused some, some really good things to happen. But my story is boring compared to the story of Joseph. Okay, Joseph has a dream. God gives him a dream. He tells his family, those of you that are not familiar with it, I'll give you the, the Cliff Notes version. And um, his brothers get mad, throw him into a pit. They say, ah, let's not throw him into a pit. Well, let's kill him. No, we're not going to do that either. Let's sell him. And so they sold him to a, a, a 
travel the travel group travel group comes by they they pay for him they end up selling him to a guy named Potiphar he's working for Potiphar for a while doing some really cool things God's blessing him Potiphar's wife accuses him of doing something he's not he's not done gets thrown into prison all this time we don't hear anything from Joseph he's not complaining he's not griping um, which is just like all of us we never complain we never gripe and so he gets thrown into prison he's in prison for years he meets a couple guys in prison helps interpret some dreams a couple years later the Pharaoh has a dream and and somebody remembers that it's, oh there's this guy back in prison who can inter- interpret dreams gets out interprets that ultimately comes into the second in command of all of Egypt does some preparation, does some things to help not only Egypt survive a major, major famine, but also helps his home country, Israel. And eventually the brothers who threw him into the pit, sold him into slavery, come down to Egypt to get some of this food. Joseph obviously recognizes them, and they don't recognize him at first, but then it kind of goes through all that process. And so the last passage that I want you to see this morning is Genesis chapter 20, where Joseph is addressing his brothers and this is what he tells them says you intended to harm me but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives all that being said is that we can't see what all god is doing we can we have our little concept our little view of our our life because we have these little blinders on because everything is about me, me, me. We can't see what God is doing in the greater scheme of things all around us. When you came in, hopefully, you got a little piece of a puzzle. You got that? If you don't have it, I want you to grab one before you leave. If you have it, I would like for you to grab it right now. Please. I said this earlier and it sounded rude and it sounded rude again. I apologize. If you have that little piece of the puzzle, I want you to grab it. And there will be a picture up here on the screen in just a second. This little piece of the puzzle is this right here. It's and, 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 and probably you can hold your piece of the puzzle and see exactly where your piece fits, right? I don't know what you're like, but whenever I, when my wife and I do puzzles... I have to have the front of the box, okay? And then I get my little puzzle piece. Any, anybody like that? Anybody? Okay, so I'm not the only one. I have to find my puzzle piece, and I'll look for, for 15, 20 minutes until I find that piece. And then if it's just a frame, then I'll put it kind of where it, it goes in, in the frame. until So when we get to building up pieces around it, then it will eventually fit. But, but so if you can't find your piece right now in that, are you shocked? Probably not. But I want you to hear something. Because we always say, God, if you'll just give me insight, if you'll just let me see what the future holds, if you'll just let me see what's going to happen, then I'll be a lot more obedient. Then I'll be a better child of God. You have your peace right now, and you can't necessarily see where it fits. My guess is that God showed you exactly what was going to happen in your life you still wouldn't be able to see how it all fits. Because our minds just can't handle that. God is so much greater than we are. His ways are higher than our ways. And so when we recognize that we have our piece of the puzzle and God God can fit that into 
a bigger picture. God can fit that into a grander design. Then we can have some confidence that God is who he says he is. And he is all powerful. And that he can answer a request that we have and say yes and know that it's best for us. That he can answer a request that we have and say no because it's not best for us. Or he can say, you know what? I'm not saying no. I'm just saying not yet. You may not be ready to hear what I have to say. There may be somebody else that's not ready to receive what I'm going to give you in just a little bit of time. And so God works all those things out for his glory and for his honor. And so you take your piece of the puzzle. I encourage you, you write pray on the back of it, on the tan part of it, or you don't, whatever. But I encourage you to put it in a place where you're going to see it every day as a reminder, first of all, for you to pray. And you have some meaningful time with the Lord. And, and you be ready to, to hear a yes. And you be quiet enough, long enough for God to, to respond to you and, and allow Him to say yes or no or, or maybe not yet. My wife and I have always wanted a prayer room, a prayer closet. We moved to two, three, three years ago. We moved to Florida for a little bit and then moved to Georgia and we bought a house in Georgia. And they had a hall closet. This gentleman who we, who sold us the house had a hall closet that was that was his ammo closet. This guy probably had a hundred thousand rounds of ammunition and rifle. I mean, he was avid hunter. And so, our very first thought when we walked through the house, we saw this closet. We said, "We finally have our prayer closet." And so we ripped everything out of there, painted it this beautiful. Really light yellow. I mean, it was just, it was a beautiful little room. Denise decorated it, had the crosses up there, had, had our little bench in there, had our devotionals, our prayer journals. And it was just a beautiful spot for us to be able to get each day, um, to kind of go through and, and do our prayers, um, spend some time alone in there. And it was just a beautiful time. We ended up selling that house, we obviously moved back to Texas. We're over in College Station now. But now we're using one of the bedrooms that we have as one of those those rooms for our, our prayer closet. When I was driving over this morning with Denise, I said, listen, I have never been, I've not been this nervous to share God's word in a really long time. And she was going, what? You're, you're never nervous. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want that to sound bad, but I was just, because my prayer life has not been what I know that it sh- should be. And so it was one of those things where I just, I felt really convicted of making sure that my prayer life is what it needs to be for me to be able to embrace the yeses and embrace the noes and embrace those moments where God just says, you know what, Mike, you're not ready or it's not time yet. And so I wanted to convey to you that, man, God hears you. He loves you. He hears you. He wants the best for you. Uh, he wants you to be obedient. Um, and so even if we know how what our life looks like, we still can't see the grandness of God's picture. And so I just want you to encourage, I want you to be encouraged that, that God knows what's going on in your life. He hears you. He wants to be involved. He wants you to come to him in prayer. And so I, I, keep that piece close. Put it someplace where you're going to see it every day. Pray. Um, and then be expecting something exciting to happen. I, it's amazing when, when you expect God to do something amazing, that he'll show up, that he'll do something 
amazing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Where God, it just it's so crystal clear that you hear us, that you hear the, the prayers of your children. Father, I left up the folks that are in this room this morning. Some are, have been hurting because they just, it seems like you haven't heard. They have, you haven't heard their cries for years. And Father, help us to be reminded that you do hear, that you do love us. Sometimes it's a resounding yes, and sometimes, God, it's, it's a definitive no. And sometimes it's that hard to hear, just not yet. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you would just wrap your arms around the folks this morning. Father, bless them, encourage them, love on them, help them to know that you're never going to give them too much, you're never going to leave them, and that you hear their prayers. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.